0: Welcome to Your State You, the time we spend as often as we can with Max Page, who is the president of the Massachusetts Teachers Association, who is bringing to us and with us today a special guest. Max, who are you having join us?
1: Um, Who is a longtime educator, but also a uh, brilliant... Writer in the Greenfield Recorder, regularly talking about the needs of young people and our public schools, and has written recently written quite a, a powerful uh, piece, I think, in in the Greenfield Recorder.
0: And say 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 the um, name of the guest again, because we were tuned down for just potted down there for just a second. Doug Selwyn. Okay, who has been with us before, and who has ha, indeed had a piece in the Greenfield Reporter that was, I think, very very articulate and uh, convincingly uh, written so doug you've been an educator for years and years you taught in new york state i believe for some decades you moved to greenfield a few years ago um and why don't you share with us and recap what the column was the opinion piece was in the recorder what it says at least in summary
2: okay first of all can you hear me
0: we can yes
2: Okay, good. Um, well, I, the, the recorder has been very gracious in, in giving me a, a monthly column um, to talk about education. And um, my, my approach to this has been to hopefully raise issues that, that are not always uh, front and center in, in conversation uh, about education. In this one, what I talked about was the, the push uh, that we have to improve education as if we can approach the schools and work inside of the schools and fix things without dealing with the inequalities that surround uh, the schools in which, in which we send our kids. So the, the dramatic inequality from town to town, um, the dramatic inequality within a town, um, if we don't approach that and and work on those things, then what we can do in schools is really limited. It's very connected to the conversation you were having uh, before I came on about about inequality in the overall society. Okay, so
0: so, so explain yeah. explain that for us. Are you talking about economic inequality? You're talking about uh, privileges of class and race. Uh, wh- what do you, what do you what do you mean more specifically, if you would please?
2: Sure. Um, I would say all of the above, Bill. There, there's, there's extensive research that shows that the more unequal a society, the worse the health and well-being of the kids, and, and in fact, the wor- worse the health and well-being of everyone. And so, if we want, if we take the United States as an example, we used to be very healthy in the '50s and '60s. When we were a more equal society and again of course people of color were not equal then either um and had worth health, but everyone did pretty much better um relatively speaking in terms of health and well-being and that included performance in schools um, we are more unequal now and our health is worse our kids are uh, struggling more and uh we keep ignoring that. We keep pretending that it's not happening.
0: So, Doug Sullen, so let me ask. Work. Let me ask you one more question. We we'll just follow this up, Max, if sure. you would please. Are you talking about inequality within a school system, It's one school system, an individual school system, or are you talking about inequality writ large for and how it affects all school systems?
2: Uh, well, all school systems and everything in society. So. It, so, inequality within a school should make a difference, but inequality within a state, inequality within a country actually results in worse uh, performance in schools and worse health and, and well being for everybody.
0: Max Page. We're speaking with
1: Doug Selwyn, um, columnist for the Greenfield Recorder, but also longtime K 12 educator and then professor of education. I want to just read them for a moment from this um column your most recent column doug which you know very provocative and i here's what you said i used i used to ask rhetorically each year that i taught why do we as a society hate our children so much as i watch so many of our children and families struggle to simply survive and to make sense of education and social service systems that seem designed to frustrate and defeat those needing them the most. We may love our own children, you wrote, and maybe a few others, but we don't seem to love or like or even care about the, quote, other people's children enough to pass and enact policy that raises up all of us, and we make it very difficult to access the resources that we are, that are available. I think that's a very powerful statement, and I think what you, what you lift up is something we often don't wanna confront, which is that in an enormously wealthy state, and obviously the wealthiest nation in the history of the world, we seem to not be able to raise the resources necessary, or we we simply choose not to. And I think people often wanna focus only on what happens within the school buildings, but I really appreciated how you're saying you can't have expect kids to succeed or educators to succeed if we don't address what happens outside of
2: schools. Is that, is that your argument? Well, yes. I mean, I think I mean, we know that schools are underfunded, and we certainly in Western Massachusetts know that schools are terribly underfunded, um, and that there are lots of poor people in the world. And we act as if that's some sort of an act of God or something. But, but the fact that we have a few very, 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 very rich people, a lot of pretty rich people, and then an incredible number of very poor people is a result of decisions conscious decisions intentional decisions that the people in power make and they make them um without you know again referring to what what uh, bill and buzz were talking about earlier um it's not an accident it's not an accident that there are some rich people and a lot of poor people and the people in power are just fine with that and the fact that our schools are struggling. we've known they've been struggling for a very long time and the legislature continues to not really do anything to address that Um, we know that there are desperately poor people and that we are not really addressing those things and then we we sort of wring our hands and say that's too bad as if there's nothing we can do about it and as if it wasn't a result of conscious decisions that the people around us are making
1: yeah so it is no accident that we have this system, and I, I am going to say to you, and I know you agree with this, that um, it's also not something we have to throw up our hands on and haven't. I mean, I think there—it's really—it's worth noting that there has been some pretty impressive efforts. Much more needs to be done, but we did win in 2019 the Student Opportunity Act, which is st- slowly and steadily bringing in about 1.5 billion dollars in additional funds. To public schools, especially the neediest ones, and I think we all together—and I know you were involved in this as well—and certainly our union MTA was involved in winning the passage of the Fair Share Amendment, uh, the Millionaire's Tax, which is bringing in—you know—probably every year it's going to be bringing in two billion dollars a year. And one of the things that it did, very specifically, was provide universal school meals to every kid in every single district. So I'm, I'm trying to in it suggests that we we've taken some good steps but what are the next steps that you see building on really some tremendous victories but the next steps that we need to take to to be a truly caring society that actually cares for every child
2: um well that's the billion 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 dollar question isn't it um you know the fact that we have to use our schools as nutrition centers at this point that the fact that we have to, I mean, the schools are sending home backpacks of food for weekends and for holidays and for summer because so many families do not have the resources to feed their children in the wealthiest country and perhaps the history of the world is is just deeply troubling. And so Band-Aids are fine and, and by all means, we have to do what we can in the immediate to make sure that people are not starving to death. Um, but there are steps we can take. Um, it has to be more fundamental. There has to be more fundamental change than, than just the Band-Aid. So public awareness is one thing. Um, I think getting the word out, really having these kinds of conversations that recognize that, for example, the people we are sending to represent us in Congress uh, or in our legislature, um, asking questions about this, asking questions and pushing them to make the kinds of changes we're asking for, um, getting people out and involved um, in in the conversation, rather than again wishing wishing quietly that it were different.
1: So we're talking with Doug Selwyn, longtime educator K twelve and a professor of education, and uh, very active in the community in Greenfield, and a columnist for the Greenfield Recorder. You know, one of the things I will say, I'll. I'll trumpet us a little bit the the mta because i was talking with uh, future educators last night at the school of education at umass amherst i would say one of the major things that's changed in our union the mass teachers association is we've spent a a lot of energy on lifting up families um not not only focusing on the schools because those two things are um, obviously interlinked so one of the things that's on the table that we've we've helped lift the the minimum wage from to eleven dollars, then fifteen, and now we're proposing twenty dollars as a minimum wage, which is still not enough. But that's one component I think of what we need to do. And as many people have seen, the the big strikes of Newton and Andover and elsewhere were fundamentally about uh, at the core living wages for paraprofessionals who are you know, absolutely essential workers, and yet are paid um, poverty wages. Are those, those are some of the steps? Would you agree, Doug, to advancing? Well, I mean, that,
2: that would certainly help in having enough money to actually have paraeducators in the schools, enough that we need, and having counselors and having social workers and having the sort of resources that the wealthy districts have for their schools. Uh, you know, a school like Greenfield doesn't have nearly enough of those things to meet with, with what kids need. But let me give you another example. The US is one of two countries in the world that does not have paid parental leave. So when families are uh, pregnant and giving birth, the two things that are most essential for the health of, uh, of a, a newborn is having enough nutrition for mom and for the baby and parental time with the baby. We can't do that. And um, the first thousand days are more critical for growth than any other time in a a being's life. And so our kids are starting behind many of them because they don't get the developmental support that they need. So by the time they get to school, many of them are behind, not because the parents don't love them, not because of, them doing everything they can but because we have set up a society that makes it incredibly hard for young families to survive economically to have the time they need with their kids all of those things set in place a uh an inequality uh even before children get to school
0: we are speaking with max we are speaking with Max yes. Page, who is the president of the Massachusetts Teachers Association and longtime educator and Greenfield Recorder columnist Doug Selwyn. We're going to continue this conversation right after this.
1: You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. This Heisenberg. is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. WHMP.
0: We continue our conversation with Massachusetts Teachers Association President Max Page and longtime educator, professor of education, as well as a K-12 teacher, Doug Selwyn, Greenfield recorder, columnist. Let's continue what we were just talking about. Max Page.
1: Well, yes, thank you, Bill, and thank you, Doug Selwyn, for being with us. You know, I was noting in my head during the break that, you know, this area has some amazing History of journalists who really shined a light on the stark inequities and corruption in society. Around the corner from where I live in Amherst, Ray Stannard Baker, longtime muckraking journalists lived, and Mary Vorst, a labor journalist, lived as well. So, Doug Selwyn, who writes for the Greenfield Recorder, is in that tradition of not letting us get away with easy answers to um, difficult issues. And one of those is the stark inequality that has left that has left um, kids in one area and one school district being able to have the resources they need and others not at all. And I appreciate your openness and directness on that issue. One of the things you, Doug, had had mentioned, you you talked about how, well, there's some districts that have far, far more, more money than say Greenfield or Holyoke. And while we've made strides towards fixing that, uh we have still enormous inequities and it's i think it's worth listeners thinking about and you reflecting on doug what would it be like if every single school district had the same funding as say weston or wellesley or dover sherburne what could that could that look like for our society
2: well going back to um the oops sorry uh i I have to remember i'm talking to the phone not the microphone um if if we have to go back we have to go back to the communities in which the students are living and coming to school so it would be great to have more counselors and have more uh social workers and more an adequate number of paraprofessionals and and teachers who were paid well and could afford to not have to go out and get a second job all those things would make a difference um and you look at what the what the wealthy schools offer their children and say why can't we do that that would be great but if the children who are coming to school are still living in desperate poverty are still unhoused and not food secure and um experiencing a lot of trauma they bring all that into the classroom and so um again i don't think i think adequately funding the schools is great and I'm all for that 100%. But that's only a small part of the picture. The much larger part of the picture is the inequality in the communities from which the kids are coming.
0: Let me ask you both. Absolutely. Let me ask you both, though, because uh, you, you've both made the point that schools uh, have become, for a variety of reasons, uh, a central focus of a place in the community where kids can receive not only services, but essentials that they need. And it seems to me that this idea sometimes goes by the term wraparound services, but it's it's a place where the kids are, where food can be served, where medical attention can be brought, and actually having the schools as the place in the community where kids can get what they need strikes me as Leaving aside why they need need all these all these things, um, but it seems to me the schools are actually a good place for for that. Um, do, you, do you disagree? No,
2: I think it's I think it's absolutely true. Um, and if we want them to do that, we have to put that front and center, and then make sure that they have the resources they need to actually do it. It happens now because nobody else is doing it. Um, I think another thing that the the schools offer. Um, In the same vein is given the preponderance of screens in people's lives, it's a place where people actually come together, where children actually come together with other children and learn how to be part of a community. Um, We saw during COVID and are still paying for that, um, kids growing up in isolation not knowing how to be with each other and not knowing how to interact and deal with the the pluses and minuses of being in a room with a lot of other people some of whom disagree with you and so schools can offer all of those i think it's also to be a central organizing place for families to get together and, and get the kind of support and connection that they need to be part of a functioning community
1: and i think what we're talking about here bill and what you described and doug you just you just elucidated was Uh, what's called community schools and this is a a model where indeed the school is the hub of a community both providing supports and services for for parents and families and the students beyond school but also become much more democratic places i think that is a model that mta is embracing we're going to actually have a big conference on this model which is quite um, well established in other states especially california But not so much in Massachusetts. There are only a few schools that really serve as um, as community schools. But you also brought up, I mean, Bill, the important point, which is why is it still it it, with this enormous wealth in the state that so many need to come to the school for for the food pantry or for clothing supplies? Um, That is still a fundamental. Problem we face. We've been chipping away at it with on housing policies, on on universal health care, which is great, with universal paid family medical leave, but fundamentally, um, the in- inequality in what people have to live is uh, is just is shocking. Still,
0: I'd like to go back to two smaller points, if I might, with the time we have left. One is about how schools are funded, and we were talking off air about the way in which the Diminution in the school census, which is to say the number of kids in the school, uh, actually uh, has an enormous financial impact on the school system. Could uh, Max Page, uh, do you want to explain that to us, why it works that sure. way? Sure.
1: Um, the fundamental way that the Chapter 70 law works, the Chapter 70 is about is the the main way that schools are funded by the state is by um, per students and you know when when the numbers of students decline you don't you don't get rid of half a teacher you don't cut a quarter of the building uh, out instead you have still have the infrastructure and the and the educators but you lose funding from the state and of course when there's and we face this especially strongly in western mass and rural communities who also have enormous expenses for busing which is busing is not Um, subsidized by the state for regular districts it is somewhat for regional districts you just have a a whole series of these of these um, developments that lead to huge deficits and we are seeing that across the state even with the Student Opportunity Act which was which was best for the neediest district but is not great for place like Greenfield or Amherst or Hampshire Regional and many other places in Western Mass so we have to fix that system in the near term this year so that there's not massive cuts but we also have to fix it over the long term so that, that fundamental issue of uh, basing it on um, the on student numbers leads to this kind of fluctuation um, that, that we have
0: one other point. And it's a spiral uh, yeah it is and it's a spiral I, I, I want to ask Max page before we run there's an important hearing coming up uh, on an issue we've t- discussed many times on this show tell us about that Max
1: yeah, and we'll probably have Doug back on another time because he's spoken often about this. So, the ballot initiative that the MTA, the Mass Teachers Association, initiated to eliminate the use of MCAS, our state standardized test, for determining who gets a diploma, that ballot initiative is now a bill in the legislature because we gathered 135,000 signatures and it will be heard on March 4th at 1 p.m. at the State House. And so we will be uh, focusing energy and hoping that the legislature simply passes that initiative as legislation and we won't need to go to the ballot, although, of course, we are prepared to if necessary.
0: Again, when is the hearing, Max?
1: It is Monday, March 4th, starting at, at 1 p.m.
0: And will we be permitted to attend remotely or is have to be in person?
1: You know, I think the details of that are all being worked out. Um, I don't think it's a regular hearing that will go on. It, it will be time limited, uh, but uh, we're, we're finding out all the details hopefully today, maybe next early next week.
0: Max Page, president of the Massachusetts Teachers Association, Doug Selwyn, longtime educator and Greenfield Recorder columnist. Thank you both so very much.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: More Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WHMP.